Hello? Hello? Merry freaking Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is the year of the bar humbug. Sure is. Yes, yes it is. So he... Well, I was exposed. You were exposed, I was too? exposed, but yeah. But then that old lady screamed, and I tucked <laughs> it in and zipped up, so... Should be no, good not now. exposing... Welcome to our Back to the Bins Christmas special. I know you've all been waiting for this special, special time of the year. I am Dr. Bill, and with me is are my good friends, Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? And Paul Spataro. How you doing? Well, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> so, first off, I just want to say... Merry effing Christmas. <laughs> I have no Christmas spirit. I could give two Fs about Christmas right now. This whole year has just been a big flying pile steaming bag of dog shit. Yep. So as we sit here, the three of us, have been affected by things over this oh, over the year. Paul works from home mostly. Is that correct, Paul? And my dog too. And your dog and your little dog too. You you work yes, from I've home. Been, I've mostly. been working from home since March. Scott does not have a job anymore due to pandemic and Disney closing. And I have been working in a hospital. And possibly, as we speak, have contracted COVID. So excuse me if I cough or if my throat gets a little uh, clogged. So, so I, I'm I, I'm thinking you 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 need a new nickname instead of Doctor Bill. You're now Contagion Bill. Contagion Bill. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, this this is, <clears throat> 2020 has just been a giant shit show. Not only the working from home, and you know what? I, I, sometimes you got to count your blessings. I'm I'm, I'm happy that I still have a job and that I'm able to, you know, support my family and all of that. So I'll count that as a blessing. But uh, as we sit here yesterday, I went to my godmother's funeral. Uh, Christmas is, you know, around the corner from us as we record. And as you listen to this, it will probably be Christmas Day, I guess, or, you know, shortly thereafter, whenever you download it. Uh, and I don't believe I'm going to be spending it with the family members I've spent it with my entire life every year because people are so afraid of getting together because of COVID. So this is going to be like the worst Christmas ever for me. So you have to excuse me if I'm as enthusiastic as I might be. Well, thanks. We're all kind of feeling the the same thing, I think, because, you know, for, for a time, the one you know, bright light on the horizon for me was, 
you know, trying to take advantage of the fact that, you know, for the first time in 10 years that I'll actually be off, you know, a significant amount of time for the holidays and, you know, gee, I'll, you know, I'll go up north and I'll spend, you know, the holidays with my parents and all. That. And now, you know, I'm not really sure that that's going to happen. I'm not really sure that's such a good idea, even if they say, yeah, yeah, you know, come on up. I mean, you know, that's I really don't know that that's a good idea. So, you know, I, I have tried my best to, you know, to find some silver lining somewhere. But, yeah, as you said, this year has been just a total shit show and it has sucked from beginning to end. And, and it's been one thing after another. And, yeah, you know, the big the big blow for me was, uh, you know, being uh, being officially laid off. I mean, I am at, at this moment in time, I am officially done with Disney and uh yeah, so I mean, I'm here tonight because I, I needed I needed to hang out with friends and hopefully get a chuckle and you know thank thank God that we picked a, a book that uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun to just pick it to death you know because I I just I I need it it's God what a what a horrible year this has been it's just yeah. been awful and just just as a like an aside you know our purpose today in recording is not to bring everybody down for Christmas. It's Speak for yourself. Just, it's, it's too. No, <laughs> I, you, you, you know, I mean, let's be serious. We, we, you know, it, it's not. Oh, if if you have, if you're having a good Christmas, we want to ruin it for you. That's not the idea. Uh, but the, I, I think we've all suffered some things that that go from minor inconveniences to major life changes uh, because of the way this year has gone. Uh, and I think we're not unique. So what we're doing is not attempting to bring everybody down, but we are trying to commiserate with each other. And, you know, the, there is an, an element of misery loves company. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're not alone. We're all dealing with, with this crap is, is really what it comes down to. So we went out of our way to pick a book that just seemed a little effed up for Christmas. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything to add to all of that, Bill. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, we'll, 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 I think think we owe it to the to the listening audience to kind of you know full disclosure on this. So you know, the initial idea was let's do a you know a, a Christmas episode, and I think the idea initially was you know your standard Christmas episode. We'd all pick Christmas related comics and be of good cheer and do you know your standard Christmas episode, and uh, and I. <laughs> I, I I think it's awesome that Bill and I both were kind of like, yeah, no. <laughs> we were both yeah, I was like, like you know no, what? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling Christmas. I don't want to do the regular Christmas show. I'm just not. There's so many other things behind the scenes with, uh, uh, you know, my mom passed away last year and went right into the holidays with a new job. So didn't really have time to miss her. So now coming into this, I'm like, you know what? I just, just can't do a, a happy, cheerful Christmas story, right. so I I need something I can just crap all over and say what a piece of what the hell is what this? a piece of Christmas crap. <laughs> well, I think we well, you know, the right uh, thing. <laughs> anybody anybody that knows me knows that you know Christmas is my favorite holiday. You know I, I typically I really look forward to it. I enjoy celebrating it and everything. Um, but you know, this year, I mean, the, the suggestion came up and, you know, we try to keep this show relatively family friendly. I, I always think of it as, 
you know, when we when we cuss, when we say, you know, bad words, it's it's like back to the future level, you know, cussing. You know, we don't say anything really raunchy or we try not to. And if we do, we bleep it, that sort of thing. But the idea came up to literally name this episode, you know, F Christmas. <laughs> and I thought that was actually brilliant. I, I could totally go for that because that's I'm sorry. That, that kind of just is the way that we're feeling this. Well, I'm going to just uh, break this wide open by saying the book we picked uh, the, ti- the the story is titled "The Man Who Murdered Santa Claus." <laughs> so does that oh, kind of you know, does that kind of fit? <laughs> it's Justice League of America, Volume One, Number One Ten, and it came out in March of 1974. And you wouldn't expect such a dark thought that early. Great, great cover, by the way. Santa face down in the snow. Awesome. <laughs> the cover is by Nick Cardi, and yeah, it shows Santa Claus laying in the snow, uh, and his bag of toys is next to him. He's face down, and you know, it says the year's most startling story: the murder of Santa Claus, nineteen seventy-three. <laughs> and then there's there's other pictures on the cover, and then there's the Justice League standing around the three pictures. But we're only covering the one story, which was written by Len Wein. Penciled by Dick Dillon, inked by Dick Giordano, and edited by Julie Schwartz. It's got a March 1974 cover date. I don't have its actual release date, but I assume it was uh, November or December of 1973. Uh, let's see. December 6th, 1973, according to Mike's Amazing World. So, And I've got a synopsis here from the DC Wiki, and then we'll start tearing it to shreds after I finish reading that. I saw mommy killing Santa Claus. The only thing lacking on, on that, because I love the cover, the only thing that it needs is either a pool or trail of blood near Santa, and uh, and it would be absolutely perfect. <laughs> like right where his face is, just well, big, right. I, I feel like it's you know it's 2020, the year that killed Santa Claus. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So the synopsis of the story is as follows. The key returns and engineers the murder of the Santa Claus scheduled to appear at an orphan's Christmas party with Superman and Batman, thus issuing a challenge to the Justice League. John Stewart, Hal Jordan's official substitute, stands in for a temporarily incapacitated Green Lantern as the JLA heroes enter a death trap, a dilapidated building in a St. Louis ghetto. In the ghetto. In the ghetto, Christmas died. One by one, the members sacrifice themselves in a gauntlet of traps so that the others can go on to defeat their foe. First Superman, then Black Canary, Batman. Are we losing somebody here? No, I'm here. I think we may have lost Scott. No. I'm here. No, I was just muted. I'm here. Okay, because I heard like a... uh, the sound you get when the connection is lost. Uh, okay, so then... Oh, sorry. So then where was I? Uh, first Superman, then Black Canary, Batman, and Green Arrow. Red Tornado and John Stewart also seem to perish. But actually, all the members are saved by the intervention of the Phantom Stranger, otherwise known as Deus Ex Machina. The key, having learned that he has only a short time to live and having vowed to destroy the JLA before he dies now escapes, and the heroes must evacuate an entire city block, which the villain's devices are set to destroy. 
The substitute Green Lantern immediately recreates the old ghetto buildings, repairing them in the process. Later, Red Tornado is presented with his Christmas gift, a new and more colorful costume. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> yeah. What a weird, weird story. Do we want to page by page this one? Uh, yeah, I think we should page by page it, but uh, I, I think what's really telling about this, I, I think it's the reason you picked it, uh, was you said you were doing some some research trying to find something that you thought would be appropriate for our, our low Christmas spirits type of story. And you found this one that's called The Murder of uh, the Man Who Murdered Santa Claus. And then there is no real resolution to this story. I mean, there is no justice for Santa. They do no, not. Santa's dead. Santa yeah. is dead. <laughs> yeah. It's, that was one of the things about the story that just jumped out at me when I finished reading it is they didn't, you know, it's not like, okay, we thought he got killed, but, you know, that was all an illusion or something. No, this guy really died. This reminds me very much of the issue, and I, I couldn't quote your rhyme and verse which issue it is. It is an issue of Justice League, though, where they they have the annual Justice League, Justice Society team up, and somebody murders Mr. Terrific, and they, mm -hmm. they never bother to solve it for, like, 40 years or something. Yeah, we'll just get a new Mr. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the Phantom Stranger intervenes and saves all of these heroes, but Santa Claus isn't worth it, I guess. <laughs> just unreal so oh, uh, this, this is one of those hundred page dc super spectacular giants for 50 cents uh mm -hmm. so there's several stories in there but once again we're only going to cover one uh but so it has a table of contents uh you know where it lists the stories and it's got little uh heads of each of the justice leaguers and the uh justice society members uh in little stars except for adam whose whole body is shown in one Oh, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even catch that before. So we really don't have a splash page to speak of. Uh, the story opens up, and uh, I, I got to say right off the bat. Sure, we do. It's Santa face down in a room. Not yet. The first. Well, actually, no, yeah, we do the have the second page. page. You're right. You're right. Uh, I have to say right off the bat, I uh, really uh, dig the artwork in this. I, I, I like Dick Dillon a lot. Uh I don't know about you guys. Oh, I have no major qualms with the art. It's just the some oh, the of the story is kind of plot. messed up. Like what? So you know, the story opens up with Superman, Superman's coming into the, uh, you know, into a room where Batman is, and then Santa is in the other room next to it, getting ready. When all of a sudden we have a wow. Now room. let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. I think my one positive – no, I take that back. I do have one other positive much later in this, but my, my initial positive for this story is I like that as it opens and Superman comes streaking in uh, – I, I guess he's coming in the window there – as Batman waits for him, Batman is smiling. I actually like that. Mm. That's – yeah. Yeah, that, I, I don't that's... like when he has to be like brooding every minute of every day. right. So when there's the explosion, Superman is standing directly in front of Batman, so he shields him from the explosion and saves him. But then they look in, and Santa is laying face down on the ground, uh, you know, dead, dead as dead as uh, Marley, dead as a doornail. Santa right. Simpson is dead. 
So this is my first major nitpick with the story right here. So I'm assuming they never really explore this. They never really tell us in the story. But I'm assuming that this is some sort of traditional explosive, more than likely set on a timer or remotely detonated. Now, there's got to be 115 different ways that Superman would could detect this. He could hear it. He could smell it. He could see it. Something with all the superpowers and super senses that this guy's got. I really find it very odd that he looks in the room where Santa is getting dressed. And then as the explosion, I mean, he's looking right in that direction as the explosion that kills him happens. So there's there's, you know, it's just it's ridiculous to me that that this even is able to happen with Superman standing right there. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and, you know, at least put it in my mind canon that, you know, this is not the I can do anything at any time Superman. He does have certain limitations. I'm going to kind of look at it that way. And I'm going to and what I'm going to think is from the moment he got an inkling of what was happening, the only thing he had time to do was jump in front of Batman and protect him. Well, our it's, it's not of, really the best explanation, but that's what I'm going no, with. No, I'll kind of agree with you and I'll kind of disagree. I'll agree with you in the sense that, and this is one of the things that bugs me about these old Justice League of America stories, especially from this era, is that Superman off, often is dumber and a lot less powerful in these stories so that he doesn't overshadow everybody else. And I'll be pointing out a couple of instances of that in this story. It's one of the reasons why, as much as I get a kick out of these and it's, and it's all nostalgia based cause I'm, I'm really, I have a hard time with these stories modern day. When I try to read them, I just, I, I have a hard time putting my, my brain back to being a kid cause they're just so simple and kind of goofy and everything. But I think that's why I have a hard time enjoying them is that Superman often puts in a very poor showing. I'm glad he's there, but you can tell that the the writers are having a hard time, you know, dealing with him being part of the ensemble. And often with their adventures, Superman doesn't need these other people. He, he could do all this himself. And I think this is a perfect example of that in this story. I, I really don't see what he needs the other people for in this story. There's really not much that happens in here that he couldn't have handled himself. So that's always kind of my problem with it is when they, they dumb him down and, and make him less, less super just so that the other characters get their moment. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but I, I just, you know, you got, you got a mind candidate somehow and I'm just, I'm such a bronze age lover that I'm willing to overlook it, even though it's kind of, silver agey in the way it's presented well anyway third, right well i mean the third panel in we've got the explosion goes off and superman looks like he gets knocked on his butt he should just be standing yeah. there like yeah exactly oh. so the the santa's got a key in his hand hmm that's a clue uh and uh and there's a note. It says, to the Justice oh. League of America, a Christmas gift to you from me, a very extra special key. Beneath the arch, it fits a lock that once it's turned will save a block of city, excuse me, of city folk, oh. both mayor and bum, from being blown to kingdom come. So waste no time. Don't hesitate. 
you have till 12 to find the gate. This key will fit, though I admit, I think you'll be too late. Signed, an admirer. So obviously it's the Riddler. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. So where did this note and key come from? This room exploded. Here's, 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 here's how I'm, I'm mind canoning that. I'm thinking okay. that was put in the room some uh, somewhere and that Santa Claus saw it and picked it up and that's what triggered the bomb. Uh, it was some sort of a booby trap. And Santa was the booby right. this time. So that's that's how I'm figuring he's got the thing in his hand. Alright, here's here's my next nitpick. The only thing that makes this a Justice League story is that the letter is addressed to the Justice League of America. Otherwise this would be a world's finest story. Because you've already got Superman and Batman. And they if, don't if really this, need the other if members. If this was at all. in world's world's finest comics, they wouldn't have sought out the rest of the Justice League. It's exactly. Just, it's the ones that show up. Yep, so, 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 yeah, Zach. The call goes out to the Justice League, and Flash and Iris are in the future with her parents. Uh, Adam is in some sort of subatomic world. Uh, what is it? The elongated man and is uh, scuba diving and apparently okay, finding stop. pearls. Stop right there. This is my next nitpick. Read the caption box on this. It says, while Ralph, elongated man Dibney, uh, scuba diving with his wife Sue off the Caribbean, Caribbean coast, well out of reach of his JLA receiver. What? He's not on an alien planet. He's not at the bottom of the ocean. He's not in a subatomic universe. He's in the Caribbean. Well, this, the I think they're saying chasing? because he was scuba diving, he had left his... Uh, his his what you call it, his uh, thingy uh, his his receiver with uh, <laughs> with his his clothes and whatever uh, else well that okay. well that's right, pretty just, okay. that's pretty irresponsible yeah yes. you would you would you would imagine you think that those the, things are that, waterproof I, I was just gonna say man's got one you would imagine that <laughs> yes, they're exactly. they're made to withstand all sorts of different type of atmosphere and pressure and things because that's the kind of lives these guys lead exactly yeah. So you I would picked, you would never leave it aside. You'd always have it with you. Well, I mean, but, I picked Ralph because it specifically said, and I misinterpreted it. It specifically said in his caption, uh, "out of reach." And you're right. That's I, I think that's what they're going for, meaning that he didn't have it physically on him. I, I interpreted it a different way, meaning that the signal can't get to him. But you're right. I mean, so you look at like Aquaman perfect example. Superboy, for example, could be contacted by the Legion of Superheroes a thousand years hence from when he lived. So if they could do that, if they could have that kind of technology for, for them to contact him through the, the span of time, then you would think that the JLA could come up with a way to do the same thing with uh, with Barry Allen, who's in the future, with the the Adam who is shrunk down into a microscopic universe, with Aquaman who lives at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, it just it seems a, li a bit weird to me that you could actually have members that are that are you know incommunicado at any point. That that almost seems from a storytelling point of view that they would have been better off just showing 
who received the message. And don't even Wait, bother right. showing us why the others didn't. Perhaps Just, you the know, signal gets distorted underneath the salt water, like in Star Trek Four. <laughs> so uh Aquaman is down celebrating you, know... Hanukkah. <laughs> now, right? This is the sacred eventually... festival of lights. Right? So Aquaman is Jewish. <laughs> now I know eventually the flash winds up like at the at the wrap of his series, he winds up living in the future with his wife and everything. I don't remember it being a thousand years in the future, but I remember like she it's revealed that she's not really dead. Like she wasn't really killed or whatever by the reverse flash. And and she's living in the future and he goes there to live with her for a brief time before the crisis happens and all that. Is she from the future? Cause it says here he's visiting his, uh, his wife's parents a thousand years in the future. So are they from there, or did they I'm trying move to remember? There? I think they are from there, but I think she was. I think they came back in time, and she was born in this time. Ah, okay. I think. I don't yeah, really I don't... remember that as a specific thing, so I could, I could absolutely be wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about the Flash or, or his, you know, his uh, supporting cat, her or her specifically, so. I just thought that was kind of a, uh, interesting. I made note of it. Plus, if it's a thousand years in the future, then that's the Legion's time. So it kind of makes me wonder why why was there never more interaction between uh, the Flash and the Legion? Cause or is this one of those things where this was a future, not necessarily the Legion's future? Because at this time, pre-crisis. DC had, you know, multiple futures. They had Commandy, they had uh, OMAC, they had the Legion, they had, you know, all these different futures. So, yeah, I'm not, I, I can't answer that question. Maybe somebody who's a little bit more well versed on the Flash could let us know. So, cool. uh, Green Lantern and Black Canary get the message, and so does Lex Luthor. Oh no, that's that's Red Tornado. My mistake. <laughs> We're, uh, now, 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 are we just, just wanna... something here with, with Green Lantern and, or excuse me, Green Arrow and uh, Black Canary? Were, are yeah, we, well, uh... it does say they were, they were in the midst of a more personal celebration, and she clearly looks like she's uh, adjusting her hair. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking they were, uh, they were bumping ugly, I'm thinking. <laughs> now, what's the deal with, with Red Tornado? Uh, when he's in his civilian identity... Uh-huh. You know, when when he looks human, mm-hmm. what what's the deal with his face? Is that a face that's underneath the red t- tornado face, or is it somehow altered when he just goes to look human? Because mm-hmm. later on in the story, and I, I just kind of, I I don't remember what what his situation is, but later on in the story, I think Superman says, "I can almost see you smiling under your mask, or something a little to that effect, or your helmet." Hey, I always thought fight. I always thought the red tornado face was his face. Paul. Yeah. Guys, What's are up? we still recording? I accidentally hung up, but then came back in. Uh, are you still recording? Let me check. Because my recording stopped, so that's why I, I am asked. still recording. 
Okay, just checking. Sorry. I'm just trying to look. It looks. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely recording. Okay. <clears throat> so hopefully there's no issue. So then, uh, but you know, do do either of you have any knowledge as to that with Red Tornado's face slash mask slash helmet? Where did where does Superman say that to him? Uh, towards the oh, end I of the it's... story. Oh, okay. I, I'll point. I'm I'll point it out again when we get to that, and then then we'll okay. discuss it more at length. Then, um, so Al Jordan <laughs> is taking a shower when the call comes in, or a bath. I'm not sure, but he steps on a bar of soap and uh, knocks himself out. So his ring, rather than do anything to actually help him, well, no, actually it's, it does. Well, it puts it him does in surround his... him with a healing aura. Oh. I mean, how badly is he? How badly is he hurt? Not bleeding out. Yeah. How badly is he It should have been a yellow bar of soap, don't you think? Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, he had a towel wrapped around himself, so he's still he's still covered. But the uh, ring seeks out John Stewart, uh, who who is then compelled to uh, join the Justice League. Uh, The power of the ring compels you. Oh, sorry. So, and then when they do, uh, when he does, rather, they question him as you know why he should be uh, taking uh, Hal Jordan's place. Uh, but the ring explains to him. So apparently the ring is more sentient than I thought it was. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, so he go, they accept him to do whatever it is they're going to do. And uh, the uh, what's it called? Red Tornado asks uh, Green, Le- Green Arrow, why, why is this day different than any other? Because he mentioned something about Christmas Eve. And he, he basically puts him in his place because uh, Green, Green Arrow says, what, you got to be kidding. Christmas Eve is different because, because, uh, how do you explain something like that to a doggone machine? And the tornado says, my artificial origins have no, in no way impaired my capacity for learning, Archer. If you are unequal to the task of answering my simple query, merely say so and I will understand. <laughs> And they show kind of like <laughs> like heat lines coming off of Green Arrow's head, but you know because he's the, been burned. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely been burned. But you know the, his speech pattern there makes me feel like he's Ben Grimm. I don't know. It just didn't seem. Oh, quite uh, right Green to me. Lan- a Green Arrow. You green mean Green Arrow? Yeah. When he's ah, uh, how do you explain yeah. something like that to a doggone machine? Like I could just see that coming out of the thing. <laughs> yeah. So they they got they're ready to uh you know to to take take on this mystery and they assume that uh, the thing about the arch is the the archway to the west in St. Louis uh and then we have a shot from far away and they're standing atop it uh and I think the perspective is probably wrong there because they would probably be too tiny to actually see Now do you think like that. that the whole purpose of of green arrow being so acerbic in these stories and, and kind of being the one that's always stirring things up and everything. Do you think that was a conscious attempt to emulate, uh, you know, the Marvel style, especially like the fantastic four where there was, you know, bickering, you know, amongst the, the team, amongst the family of characters. I definitely think that's a possibility, especially when you consider the fact that now this is something where they brought Len Wein over to, Right, the Justice League. You know, he had his right. start at Marvel, and and they took him over there. And I think, you know, it's. I, I think at this point we're seeing either Marvel was more successful than DC at this time, or they were 
increasing their uh, market share while, de- while DC was decreasing. One or the other, I'm pretty sure. So I would right. think that DC would be making an effort to, uh, to, to, you know, to try and rectify that to some extent. So I think that's why they're stealing some of the, the young guns from Marvel. I think that would be really, really ironic if that turned out to be the case that, you know, that they were doing this sort of thing, uh, you know, to emulate, like, say, Fantastic Four specifically, because the Fantastic Four, you know, the, the whole Marvel age, really, the whole genesis of that was, um, oh, God, I'm blanking on the guy, Goodman, Martin Goodman. Martin Goodman giving Stan Lee the the directive to come up with a book, you know, that uh, kind of you know ripped off and and you know the, the style and the basic premise of Justice League of America, you know, with a you know a team of superheroes. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't FF, think. So. I wouldn't I think, think that they were specifically trying to emulate the FF so much as just trying to emulate the Marvel style in general. Marvel style, yeah. Yeah, you know, he it could also he could also be you know the way they're writing him. He could also be Hawkeye, which would be a much more direct right. comparison. So I don't I don't know. I just That's think, true. like I said, I think at this point Marvel was was putting out more sophisticated books, and DC kind of had to catch up a little. Right. So I think that's, that's oh, uh, yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot because. I've I've recently I've amended my uh, my Marvel read through because uh, there's some DC stuff I've been wanting to read as well a, a certain project uh, I've been working on you know a read through and I thought why don't I just combine these two and and do just kind of a timeline read through you know and then that way any anything I'm interested in in reading I'll just kind of you know, draw it into this this project. So it'll be, you know, basically just a chronological read through comics. And I'm definitely noticing as I'm doing, you know, side-by-side reads of DC and Marvel at, at any given year that, yeah, the, the differences in them, you know, are, are just vast, especially, you know, when you look at, like, uh, you know, the early to mid sixties, you know, through like the early seventies, you know, when, when Marvel was really building its universe and, and becoming a, a, a powerhouse in the world of comic book publishing, you know, when it was building itself, you look at the kind of stories and the kind of characterizations and the things that they were doing versus what DC was doing. And it's, wow, it's the difference is just stunning sometimes because mm-hmm. You know, DC, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put DC down. I mean, there's a lot of great, really good stuff in there. But I think it depends on what you're looking for at a given time, because sometimes I like the Silver Age silliness. Sometimes I read those books and Mm -hmm. and I and I I really enjoy the heck out of them. You know, overall, I'd go for the you know somewhat more sophisticated books. But that doesn't mean that there was only one way to do it. So I'm kind of okay with that. But just, you know, the market was evolving or the, uh, you know, the, the audience was evolving and DC kind of was slower to catch up to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, they, they get to St. Louis and here's, here's one of my or one of my questions about Green Lantern that we were talking about before we started to uh, go over this. Uh Red Tornado says, if Green Lantern will utilize his power ring to make this key 
Geiger counter-sensitive to the locket fits, I will endeavor to serve as Flash's substitute, because they said Flash could run around and test the key everywhere. Uh, I didn't know that was within the Green Lantern's power set. In fact, I'm not exactly sure what power that would be. So this is my biggest note on this, because when I read, I hadn't ever read this story before, full disclosure, or if I did, I didn't remember it. Um, when I got to this point at the story, I literally had to stop and be like, what the F? Because I'm like, do you, you realize, I mean, take, take a moment to, to realize what he's doing with this power. So I don't know what the hell Geiger countersensitive is supposed to mean, but essentially what he's telling Green Lantern to do, John Stewart to do, is to focus his power ring on the key and then basically tell the, the ring through some magic, I guess, to find to, to make the key sensitive to the lock that it fits. And then Red, uh, Red Tornado takes off, flies all over the city until the key starts to, he says, pulsate and throb indicating that he's close to where the the proper lock is. Now, I am no Green Lantern expert, but I have read a hell of a lot of Green Lantern. I, I feel like I know a lot about him, but I will I will profess I have not read every single story. I'm I'm no, you know, big expert. I, I'm not even particularly a fan. I've never heard of this power for Green Lantern before. And if he had this power Think about how that could fundamentally change that universe that they live in, because how many stories are there where it's like, okay, so there's this dead, this dead body and we don't know who killed this person. If he had the ability to say, hey, ring, match me the gun to these bullets, he could solve tons of crimes, you know, I mean, match this object to that object and I'm going to find who did this or what the mystery is or what. I mean, if he really could do that, there, there's really very little mystery left in their universe. So <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking you just treat it like a, like, all right, do it now with this. Now do it with this. Like you just start like messing with yeah. it. Yeah. And I just, that is, I mean, this is the bit, unless, I'm hoping somebody knows and can correct this. If this has been an established power I just never heard of till now, then okay, good for him. But I'm thinking that this is the biggest bullshit MacGuffin we've ever seen and that we're supposed to just breeze right past it and not think about it. But I couldn't help but think about it because it jumped out and slapped me. I'm like, wait, 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 he can do what? Because mm-hmm. that's a pretty amazing and, and incredibly useful superpower if he had that ability. I mean, think of the mystery that would be taken out of so many stories if he could do that, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. I, I just think it's... And like I said, I'm not even sure exactly what power it is. Is he making the ring somehow, the, the key somehow radioactive? Uh and if so, how is he how is he attuning it? Like, what specifically would you do to attune it to the lock that it fits? It makes no sense. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I mean, think about just this very story. If he can do that, why not go back to Santa and be like, 
you know, well, I guess that's sort of what they're doing with the key because the key was left with Santa. So they're using the key to get to the bus. So, I mean, it's kind of roundabout, but they could also use it as like, you know, presumably there's got to be bomb fragments, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, okay, ring, tell me where these bomb fragment, fragments originate from, you know, or something. I don't know. It just seems like it, it, this this is an incredibly useful power. And they're just really just breezing right past. It's yeah. it's flat ridiculous because, I, yeah, I really I racked my brains for this. Like, how how would that work? You know, how I just don't how, think it would. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I mean, he says he says Geiger counter sensitive, which implies some sort of radioactivity or radio uh, uh, radiation. Radiation. Well, you got to say it the way yeah. to make Doctor Bill happy. <laughs> I mean, what what's radiating? The no, the the lock. <laughs> not. <too>. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad you caught this too, because that made me nuts. Yeah, that was my my biggest question mark going through this thing. So then the tornado goes, you know, runs through the town, and we see it. You know, it's all uh, looking bad. You know, street condemned. Keep out. I I don't think I've ever seen an entire street condemned. Uh, you know, the now, buildings are crumbling. <laughs> now let me ask you something. <laughs> this, like I said, this story's chock full of moments where I just got to go. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. <laughs> Um, why red tornado? Because you have to use them to do something. Yep. I, I really but think why, that's it. Why does this? Why does the story say that they're using red tornado? Uh, he's. I guess because he can go fast with his tornado powers, so he's kind of he's he's serving as a substitute for the Flash in this moment. That's what the story kind of says. Now, of everybody on this team that showed up for this get-together, who would be on par with The Flash? Nobody. <laughs> who, has, who has literally raced The Flash to an inconclusive result? Yeah, but what's funny <laughs> is Red Tornado saying it to him. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. if only we had The Flash here. Exactly. Well, actually, yeah, actually Superman says, is saying it. Oh, if only the yeah. Flash were here. Yeah. Superman says, no, if only the Flash were here. And then Red Tornado says, unfortunately, Flash is absent, Superman, but I am here. Wouldn't and it, Superman should be like, Wouldn't it be better if he nice. said, hey, hey, hey dope, you have super, super speed. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, 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 moron. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Don't get me wrong. I, I, I dig Red Tornado, especially at the end of this story. We'll talk about that. Um, from the from the end of this story forward, I really dig Red Tornado. But as much as I like Red Tornado, there ain't no way he's faster than Superman. It's just that's not a thing. So this is literally to give him something to do. Now, my no prize for this, I guess would be that, and and I like that the Justice League cartoon, you know, the animated series, kind of sort of established this a little bit, that sometimes Superman does willingly, you know, dial himself back so that the others, you know, don't feel overshadowed by him or so that they're all kind of on a level playing field kind of thing. But well, I, I like it better that explanation, just to, to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but I like that explanation better no, when, it's, when it's he's reeling it back because he's afraid he'll kill somebody if he doesn't. 
I don't right. want it to be, oh, I didn't want to hurt your ego, so I didn't rescue this guy. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I don't, I don't like that as an explanation. I like right. it to be, I've had to work so hard to control my powers because I didn't want to accidentally kill somebody that it takes a concentrated effort for me to let loose. I prefer right. that as the explanation. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can go either way. I can go with, you know, I, I like your explanation. I, I probably like it better, honestly. But also, you know, just the thought of he, he's being nice. He's dialing back. He's allowing the others to have something to do. I, I can play with all of that. But when there's a race against time factor, you know, mm-hmm. like in this instance, then that's different. You know, when something's literally at risk, you know, you, you had said, you know, about, you know, you don't want him to not rescue somebody because, you know, he doesn't want the others to afraid have somebody's going to be yeah. butthurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's silly. Well, I find this just as equally silly. You know, you're in a race against time. You know that there's dire consequences if the mission doesn't come off successfully. And you're going to screw around with letting Red Tornado, you know, poke along at whatever speed he goes compared to the fact that, you know, you could do this in a microsecond, you know, that, and, and that's what just... is Superman doing while Red Tornado is doing this? <laughs> is he just sitting there like adjusting his spit curl? I mean, what's he yeah, doing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. God only knows standing on a rooftop, I guess, which is a complete waste of Superman's, you know, like I always like to say, how many busfuls of nuns and orphans are plummeting off cliffs while Superman's standing on a friggin' rooftop on Christmas Eve, you know? I mean, there's a million other useful things that Superman could be doing while he's letting Red Tornado zip all over the city, you know, looking for a stupid lock for a key. So it's like, okay, it's just, Red uh, Tornado, stuff like that. Yeah. While, while you're looking in, in uh, St. Louis, in one of the slums of St. Louis, for which house you know is is it at risk of blowing up this little slum i'm gonna go and feed a nation <laughs> and then i'll come right. back by the time you're done <laughs> yeah yeah i just i i can imagine that sort of a cut scene in between the you know in the gutters of this story where you know red tornado comes back to the roof and he's like uh okay so i found the lock and superman's like well while you were doing that i stopped a volcano in you know chili or whatever i stopped a tsunami off of china you know i did you know like you said i fed a nation you know i stopped the you know a planet from plunging into the, you know, whatever it's just uh, come on or, or or yeah that's cute that you found it uh while you were looking for it i caught the key <laughs> and i and i dis- <laughs> dis- disabled the bomb <laughs> oh and and by the well, way I, ever... Su- superman never i mean uh, santa never really died i rescued him <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's one of those really cool uh, videos on YouTube. I, I'm trying to remember. I think it's one of the college humor ones. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen it where they have Superman meeting Batman in the like the Dark Knight, you know, the Christopher Nolan universe and everything. And there's a part where Batman's doing his whole Dark Knight speech or whatever. And they cut back to Superman. He's like, uh, yeah, bro, while you were talking, I just went ahead and stopped crime. All of it. <laughs> that might have been how it should have ended. Maybe that was it. Yeah, it was those those those, they, those yeah. just they cracked me up a lot of times because because they would always play with the Nolan Batman like they'd be talking and every time Superman would have a question, Batman would say, "Because I'm Batman." <laughs> <laughs> 
they, they have they have <laughs> if you look on youtube they actually have like a collection of all of the because what they would do is they do the uh, how it should have ended on the specific topic that they would do, and then it would end. They'd be in like the super cafe, and would yes, have Batman yeah. and Superman sitting around the table talking, and that I would can't... always end up with the because I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, I know I've seen those. I, I the one I'm thinking of, I can't remember if it's if it's if part of that series or not. But uh, yeah, it's it's every time I see that, it just kills me because Batman's like slogging his guts out. You know, crawling up buildings and you know doing all this stuff to try to catch the Joker, and Superman's just—he's you know, light years ahead of him. You know, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Right, anyway, so anyway, they do. You know, he does find find in uh, what is it? Brief moments later, actually, he finds the uh, the place because the key pulsates like an overactive heart. Over re- yeah, overactive heart, which I don't even know what that means. In the crumbling building, I found the lock it fits. And he's saying that before he There's actually stuck quote. it in the lock. <laughs> There's your quote on the next page, this top of the next page, uh, Superman. Yeah, I didn't catch it before. He does say, if I didn't know better, yeah. Tornado, I'd swear you're, swear you're smiling under that helmet. And that's that threw me <laughs> off because I thought that was literally his face and that there was no helmet. Yeah. Yeah, you got me on that one. I, and I was I, I was never sure when he went into his human look how he did that. I wasn't sure if it was some sort of alteration of the, uh, you know, of the actual mask, helmet, whatever you want to call it, or if it was some sort of a, a you know, an optical illusion. I, I never knew that. So if, if anybody listening is a big Red Tornado fan and knows exactly what that's all about, I would appreciate an email letting us know. So yeah, before they I, get I to really, go in... I, I feel like I should know that. I don't. Before they get to go into the building, three uh, street urchins uh, are looking for a handout. And uh, so the Green Lantern says, uh, why don't I just use up use the power ring to whip up some... And uh, Green Arrow says, uh, I don't think the Guardians allow that. Now, I'm... At first, like when I first read that, I thought he was gonna he was gonna whip up some food, perhaps, which I didn't think the ring had the ability to do. But then when I looked at it, you know, when I stopped to look at it a little more closely, I was thinking, I think he's saying he's gonna like counterfeit some money for them. Money, yeah, that's that's what I thought, yeah. And and that just seems like really really ba- like re- like a really bad idea, because he's gonna whip up money with his ring, he's gonna give it to them, they're gonna go to some store and spend it. And then when he stops thinking about it, that money is going to disappear from the till of the store where they spent it. Because well, they, they, they're, they do not question. make permanent constructs. Well, I, I don't know about that. That's always been one of those things that I, I wish I could find a definitive answer about when it comes to Green Lantern is – I know that usually we see, you know, he, he constructs something, he uses it for a moment, and then it dissipates because he, he wills it away or whatever. But I know that there have been stories where a, a Green Lantern would construct something that I I believe was intended to be like, this is the permanent fix for this situation, or this is meant to be a permanent strike. Like, for example, when um, I think it was Kyle Rayner constructed that um, – that statue of Hal Jordan that stood where um, Coast City had been, I think that was meant to be like a permanent structure. Like this was going to exist. 
Um, yeah, and, and I, I just don't know exactly how that works because yeah, I don't. I, don't, I was always I under the impression that. that like if if Green Lantern made a construct and you knocked him out, the construct would just disappear. Yeah, and I've I've seen stories like that where you know yeah, there's a there's a construct actually going on, and then yeah, you know, like you say, he gets knocked out or takes a clout to the head or whatever, and the construct fades away. So that's why I continue to be perplexed by this because I I don't know how the hell does that work. I mean, maybe it's a thing where it depends on his intent, um, and and they can intend it to either be a, a permanent thing, you know, a, a temporary fix or or a permanent. I don't. I really don't know, but I wish somebody would solve that for me because it bugs me. Because I've thought the same thing. Because I've seen stories where where the the lantern would whip up, um, you know, something like like in this instance, you know, he's going to give this person something. Um, and I think I've even seen them whip up food. And I'm like, well, yeah, how's that going to work? Because it's just going to dissipate the moment, you know, like you say, you stop thinking about it. So yeah, I really don't know how they <laughs> whip up food. They eat it. You stop thinking about it. It just comes out of their stomach, and they're hungry again. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I wonder as as we're coming up with these questions, I wonder how long Len Wein had been working for DC at this point. Because I'm wondering if maybe he had come over recently and hadn't really gotten a grasp on the characters when he was writing this story. I don't know. I can look that up. Because it does feel like he doesn't really know Green Lantern's power set. That's what it feels like to me. And it feels like, if, I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, it feels like he doesn't know Superman's power set. He's certainly not utilizing it effectively. Well, and then you've got to question Julie Schwartz as the editor for not not having an issue with how he presents these things. Well, I mean, looking at his at his history... You know, uh, on Mike's Amazing World, you know, his history as a as a writer. I mean, he he worked for both DC and Marvel simultaneously uh, in the beginning, and then it became primarily just DC for a good number of years before he jumped over to Marvel. And even when he was at Marvel, he continued to do the occasional DC. So, I mean, he, he, you know, you would think he had a pretty good handle on. Well, is it giving it to you in in chronological order his work yeah so what was when was his earliest dc work well you uh, know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna even even i'm gonna be a little bit more specific when was his earliest work on either justice league superman or green lantern uh all right let's see we got jerry lewis teen titans here's a going down the list detective comics so he worked on batman in 1971, uh, I, I just saw like a world's finest. Yeah, world's finest, Superman and Batman, November 1971. So that's uh, two, Superman in December. Two years before this. Yeah. So, and, so, I mean, so the, the idea that he didn't have a chance to familiarize himself is is not valid. Yeah, no, that's, that's out the window because once you get to his first credit on – world's finest with superman you know doing specifically superman and batman then after that there's a lot there's superman and world's finest and adventure and phantom stranger and the flash and so i mean at that point he's touching um a lot of the mainstream characters supergirl 
Hey, don't be touching Supergirl. Uh, elongated man. So, I mean, yeah, here we go. Justice League 102 looks like... Oh, no, 100 might be the earliest. All right, I don't, so that's almost a year before this. Yeah, so, I mean, he was doing... I mean, he he really was doing a lot of stuff all over the DC universe before um, before he started doing like modern Marvel, if you know what I mean. Because when he was doing Marvel in his earliest stuff, it was stuff like Tower of Shadows, Chamber of Darkness. You know, it was the non superhero stuff. It wasn't until he came back to Marvel in um, it looks like seventy three. Three, he starts to pick up with Marvel again. And, okay, so my and, earlier comment that that DC may have hired him away from Marvel would not be would not be accurate. All right, I peek behind the curtain. I've been on the because <laughs> once again, 2020 just keeps on rolling. I had to get off during <laughs> the middle of the podcast to talk to the occupational health where I work, so they could do contract contact tracing with every single person I came in contact over the last three days. <laughs> <laughs> So, what the hell are we talking about? Where are we? Did you guys finish the book? No, we're, we're actually up to they. They've just gotten to the uh, to the building where the bomb is located, <laughs> uh, and they've been uh, accosted by the street urchins, and we're discussing the fact that you know Green Lantern was going to use the ring, we think, to counterfeit some money for them, uh, until he realized that was not a good idea. And then we were talking about Lynn Wings. Eat this phony food and then it'll disappear out of their stomachs in a couple hours. Well, we discussed that as a possibility as well. (laughs) So we want to get get your take on on a couple of things, Bill, since since you had to step away. So that was one thing we were definitely – we were just talking about this because neither one of us have enough familiarity with Green Lantern to know for positive – can he make permanent constructs? Because I was under the impression that he could, but I, I don't know for sure. I would say no, because I, if I remember, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, um, if I remember correctly, the whole plot point of um, Hal Jordan going nutso is because he was trying to get enough power at one point to recreate Coast City, and he was. True. That's what he was. So, yeah, like he was trying to create it using, but no, I I don't think they're permanent constructs. As soon as they're knocked unconscious, it's a plot point, and their construct goes away. <sighs> so I'd but say no. Do you remember when? Do you remember when Kyle created the statue of um, Hal that stood in Coast City? Hmm. It was. I want to say it was like Greenland in like 100 or something like that. Did he create like a, it or did he etch it out of out of something using I, his power? I thought he used his ring. I, I'll see if I can look that up. But I mean, that's that off the top of my head. That's the only one I can I can think of that was like intended right from the get go to be a, a permanent construct. But I, I I'm almost positive I've read other stories where I was left with that impression that that this one didn't go away. And so that's why I'm confused because I, I I always thought the intention was that they were temporary, but then every once in a while they do one that seems like okay if that goes away that bridge is going to collapse or whatever the case may be you know what I mean mm. so I, I yeah it's confusing well <laughs> I'm gonna mute myself and look it up I'm thinking that it's confusing to Lynn Wien as well but anyway he you know he he he's uh... 
bothered by the fact that he can't help them. He says, sorry, little brothers, but a man, the man's right. Maybe I can give you something later. Hmm. A little foreshadowing there. Uh, and then we <laughs> see somebody's watching them on some sort of a monitor, and they enter into the building, which is a, you know, a tenement with rats that we see. Uh, and then, you know, they, the floor, a trap door opens underneath them, which once again, just strained my thought process a little bit since three of the uh, six people there can fly. Thank um, you. Yes. <laughs> what the hell? And why? I mean, by this point, the Justice League, the Justice League of of all teams should have the whole thing down of the non-flyers grabbing a hold of the or excuse me, the flyers grabbing a hold of the non-flyers. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, that should be something that they actually practice in the Justice League danger room. Yes, and instead they fall far enough that somebody could have broke their neck. Because Batman, <laughs> it's something that's only thing, the width of them all standing together. Yeah, and the first thing Batman says when he picks himself up, and it looks like he might be rubbing his head or something, he says, any broken bones? I'm thinking, there's no excuse for broken bones. <laughs> Three of you fly, half of you fly, and one of you could move at such incredible speed that you'd never even know that the floor dropped out from under you. So, oh, my so, God, that, that, that sort of thing makes me nuts. So I the DC Green Lantern wiki says Green Lantern constructs can be solid and composed of the green light energy of willpower and only lasts as long as the wielder can maintain it through the energy, uh, though the energy con oh, through what? Though the energy the construct of may, is is made of will will is made of will soon either fade or return to the ring when concentration is broken. See, I call bullshit on that because I'm trying to find it. I, I'm I, I it seem to think I, that I'm, they that they had some sort of a no prize explanation for why he was able to make something permanent that it was out of the ordinary. I, I not, like the more I think about it, I think there was some sort of a thing like normally I can't make these permanent, but in this instance, you know, the guardians have granted me the power to blah blah blah. You know that that the the central battery in, on Oa is powering this or something. I don't I don't you know I'm just making that up, but I, I think that they might have added some sort of no prize explanation to that. But anyway. Uh, so, so now this, this, I, you know, once again, I just don't get it. Uh, they're down in this thing and all of a sudden a miniature red sun is above them. Where did that come from? Science. And why did they need to fall into a trap door before it, it, before it came out? They could have just had that, you know, you know, the, the door closed behind them and locked and here's your miniature red sun, trap which, door science. which just, by the way, will just burn you all to a crisp anyway. So what's the difference? Children of the sun, children of the sun. But it has to have a yellow core because the power ring has no effect on it. Yellow core? Baltimore? So, and and another inconsistency is... Really? You're Superman, not even falling for it. Nah, I'm, I'm just moving it on. Nah, Superman, nah, nah, Superman nah. insists that he has to be the one to destroy this, even though it's siphoning his powers away. But I guess in... Seen, this is where I'm a little confused, and Scott, as our resident Superman expert, maybe you can help me out here. All right. I didn't think the red sun siphoned his power away. I thought the lack of a yellow sun served that he would no longer be receiving the strengthening. 
Um, this this story is all kinds of screwed up when it comes to this. So he he gains his powers by a combination of Earth's lighter gravity and Earth's yellow sun. And I thought um, it almost served as like a, seemed, like he served as like a battery where he'd he'd absorb that yellow sun and have that power until it ran out unless it was recharged by the yellow sun. That's kind of the way I post, always took it. That's post-crisis. So post-crisis, he was basically a living solar battery. Um, but pre-crisis like this, it was it was somewhat nebulous. It was, you know, because in the earliest days, it was, you know, because of the size difference between Krypton and, and Earth, which was kind of a holdover from like the old like John Carter stories and that sort of thing. Um, explaining why he could jump like an eighth of a mile and all that. But as he became more and more and more powerful and super and godlike and everything, then everything seemed to be more revolved around the fact that it was Earth's yellow sun giving him all this power and everything. But in these pre-crisis days, um, I mean, if he went away from a yellow sun or, or near a red sun, then it was it was like flipping a switch. He didn't have residual superpower. Or if he did, it wasn't for very long. So Whereas, that would mean like, that he wouldn't have, you know, he's he's like, th- you know, throw me into it so I could destroy it. But he wouldn't be more powerful than them if it was no, like flipping a switch. No, so no, why would, would you throw him into it? He'd be less no. likely to do something. Wouldn't you say, hey, uh, right now, Green Lantern, you're the most powerful among us. Can you do anything? Oh, there's a yellow thing in there. Red Tornado, you're the next most powerful. What can you do? Right. <laughs> yeah. There's several things in this that don't make sense at all. Um, he says about, you know, he, what he's on page 10, where he's got his hand up to his head, he looks pained and he says, um, but its primary radiation is that of a red sun, which saps my superpowers. No, it doesn't. It just, he doesn't have them because that's what he was born under. So he just becomes a normal human being. But then also he, he acts pained. It's the way it's written with all the pauses and everything makes it seem like he's in some sort of pain. Then when Green, uh, Green Arrow and Batman go to boost him up and he's running towards them, it says, and moments later, a pain-wracked man of steel races into action with every step he takes searing agony. Why? Why? This isn't kryptonite. This is red sun radiation, which he was friggin' born under. It's his native habitat, for all intents and purposes. So there should not be any pain racking anything here, uh, unless there's some other force at play that we're not being told about. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And throwing Superman into a red sun guarantees you're going to kill him. So yeah, I don't understand well, what the hell's going on right here. For once, somebody threw Superman into the sun. That's true. <laughs> so then they they think that he was blown to atoms, and the only the only morning we do is that we have a slight pause between the words "my best friend is," pause, dead, from Batman, and that's it. That's the morning. One can't mourn forever. Let's move on with our lives. He's Batman. So, He's got to be stoic. I'm Batman. So they move forward and. Then uh, they go. Th- Batman and Black Canary go through a doorway, and the doorway seals shut behind them. And there's a circus. Well, actually, I guess they all went through it, right? Yeah. There's a circus calipi playing music and splu- spewing out gak 
guess. The room is sealed shut. No way for Red Tornado to whirl and dissipate the poisonous fumes. My companions are doomed. But then, and I don't understand again how this power works. Uh, Black, Black Canary sings some sort of song that holds the gas at bay while they all leave. Batman hightails it out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just see him. He's like, out, 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 bitches. Bye bye. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Oliver actually says, come on, you got to come with us. And she says, no, my sonic song is the only thing holding back the gas. I have to stay. But, of course, huh? in order to say those words, you wouldn't be using your sonic song. <laughs> <laughs> what was she singing? Was she singing like Celine Dion? My heart will go on. Jumping Jack Flash. It's a gas, gas, gas. <laughs> she 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 throws the uh, the green arrow through the door, and it slams shut. And then they assume that she's dead. We'll move on. Uh, the key is revealed as the assailant here. What a shock! He is so ridiculous looking with that. I mean, he has a key for a head. No, he has a key. He has a key. He's almost as ridiculous as he's almost as ridiculous as Chairface Chippendale from the Tick. It's ridiculous, man. (laughs) And 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 here the story even gets more silly now, though, because they get uh, attacked by giant Christmas tree ornaments. The ornaments are killing me. <laughs> and one of them absorbs Batman, so now he's <laughs> and, and Green Arrow singing. Needs to lay li- off the bat cheeseburgers, man. <laughs> Look at he's a fat ass. Fourth, fourth panel. <laughs> yeah, the big bat burger. That's that's why he sinks in. If he was a little lighter, he wouldn't have. Oh God, no, uh, not like this. And then, uh, so now we're down to Green Arrow, uh, Green Lantern, and Red Tornado, and they are attacked by the 100 oh. soldiers six foot high. Not, 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 what is it? Yeah, it's 100 Yeah, the Green high, Lantern not, sacrifices not six, himself with, feet. Huh? But Green Lantern <laughs> sacrifices himself with the incendiary arrows because he figures out that the, the, <laughs> that the balls are attracted to heat. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, yeah. so he's gone. So now we're down to Green Green Lantern and Red Tornado, mm-hmm. and uh, what is it? They they uh, they hold off the soldiers, or and the then soldiers they turn yellow, them, and they clo- they turn yellow, but then they fall through a portal. They're chameleons. That's what that's what John Stewart says. They're chameleons. They transform their colors. Become totally yellow, so the ring no longer affects them. Uh, they've grown heavier of, as well. I can't whirlwind them away. We have a shot of the uh, key picking his nose down at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Old Saint Nick. And then we, we, ha- we have our, our backstory where he learns that he's dying and that he wants to take them with us. And my, I, I, I love the scene when he's being released from prison and he's, he's got a, a, a regular business suit on, but with still with the key thing on his head. He's getting, he's getting checked out by the doctor. He's naked with just a key thing on his head. Is that like a part of his head? Yeah. I, I guess it has to be. Oh, God. And then... As he's as he's reveling in his defeat of the Justice League, they all come out 
and, and present themselves to him because they were all saved by the Phantom Stranger. And you can just hear the Super Friends music here. That's the music that's playing as uh, as Phantom Stranger comes in right there. Look at that ridiculous pose as he comes by. Da-da-da! He pops into the room. <laughs> Actually, you know, to, to take it from there, the uh, at the beginning, the narration boxes, when I read them, I heard Ted, Ted Knight's voice. <laughs> and, and I'm not joking. Man that... black. What is he, Johnny Cash? <laughs> well, this would be the era of the Super Friends, right? Maybe that helps. Yes, I think it says that actually on the cover. So I think it says it. On the cover, it says, Here comes yeah. TV's Super Friends. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That then, might... said, then the Phantom Trader says, I deserve no credit, Batman, for performing an act you most certainly would have performed yourselves had I not been here. Except you were no, all they dead. Died. You all died. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, yeah, no. What? That makes no sense at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Judas saved them, and that's it. So, <laughs> anyway, they the uh, they, they're unable to save the explosion. They, what what they do is they uh, they evacuate the city. Stop! It, stop right there. <sighs> this okay. I, I can spend Wait, a get on this bed uh, so I can carry everybody out. So, okay. So they, for whatever reason, they stand around helplessly as the key just walks over and activates a bomb that's going to go off. He says, too late, you fools, too late. The primal key has been turned. And in moments, not a specific amount of time, in moments, the area above us for several, not a specific area, Several square blocks will be blown to atoms. So let me just clarify. They have no friggin' idea how soon the bomb's going to go off. They just know it's going to. And they have no idea what radius that the bomb is going to decimate. They just know it's going to decimate something. Continue. So why couldn't... Okay, so he put up a yellow force field around him when he went to turn the key. But you're telling me Superman couldn't have just hit him with heat vision? Batman couldn't have thrown a batarang before he even got over there. Green Lantern, I mean, Green Arrow, he's busy pointing at him. The geese gone crackers better stop him. How about you use a flipping arrow, you moron? Why don't you pull out that boxing glove arrow and you do something with it, knucklehead? <laughs> yeah, they do nothing. <laughs> oh. But, but they uh. evacuate the city, which is almost reminiscent of the Justice League movie. Why would you just create like a why wouldn't John Stewart just create one big giant flat path platform to allow everybody just to step on and fly them all out? No, he's making like a scoop from like a like a piece of con- construction equipment. Superman's got people on a bed and Batman's got one guy. Gr- gr- uh, Red Tornado's got two people and uh, Ollie and Dinah are, you know, shuffling They're people out of the door. Out. They're walking. Come on. How much time would this take? Well, the way they're doing it is going to take quite a while. If you're doing it person by person, uh, several days. And and then yes. it says, only a few more seconds. This is John Stewart. Only a few more seconds. Why? Was there a timer? Did we miss something? This, this is a major – this is St. Louis at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. You've got everybody on the team right here. How many people are they saving? You've got one, two, three – Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen people 
out of a city that's got to be millions. How much friggin' time is it going to take for them to single-handedly evacuate every single person out of that city? And they have no idea how much time they have. Not a clue, because all the guy said was in moments. So I'm thinking, these people are dead. (laughs) They needed the flash. Oh, it's such i mean i expect so much better from len ween god rest his soul you know <laughs> yeah definitely it's it's story it's 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 like there was no thought that went into this whatsoever and nope. and it's just you know i mean and and i i said early on i i kind of like the artwork here because i always saw dick dylan as as a, not as good as but similar in style to neil adams uh, well, I'm seeing a lot of Adams in this, and initially, when when you were praising uh, Dylan at the beginning, I was going to say, you know, I'm kind of wondering if there's a lot of swiping going on, but I'm going to take that back. What I really think it is, I think it's uh, Giordano. I think he's really shoring up um, Dylan, and I think he's injecting a lot of uh, Neil Adams into this because I'm thinking this is probably right around the same time he was inking Adams, wasn't he on uh, on Green Lantern? I right think so. This. I think you're right. Yeah. And and I think uh, you know I think Neil Adams was the hot commodity at DC from earlier than this. You know, running up right. until you know. So I think the same way Marvel was like, hey, everybody try and look like Kirby in the way you draw. I think. DC might have been saying, hey, everybody try and look like Neil Adams in the way you draw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, But, I, but I mean, I, I, I do dig this. I can't say, like, it's not as good as Neil Adams, don't get me wrong, but I still think it's, it's above average, let's put it that way. So the explosion goes off, but then, <laughs> but then it, it, it's weird, because as soon as it goes off, you, uh, Green Arrow says, huh, those buildings should have been destroyed by the explosion, but looking at them now, I'd swear they'd just been built. And Green, Green, Green Lantern says, they were, Archer. It's against the Green Lantern code to use the power ring to give these folks new housing. I don't know why it's against the code. But anyway. Yeah, what? So I just used it to reconstruct the old building the instant they were destroyed, minus the roaches, rats, collapsing ceilings and such. The, those old tenements are now clean and solid as the day they were built. I promised these kids a Christmas present, and they got it. So somehow, like the rotting um, wood, he repaired. So what <laughs> happens to my what happens to all my comics and my Xbox and my television and my bed? Did he reconstruct all that shit too? <clears throat> and how how could I mean I I don't care what his level of concentration is. How could he be aware of every little thing and how it was put together and you know mm-hmm. just to say you know yeah sure this looks like the front of my building but when you open the door there's nothing there. I used to have a bedroom, a living room. There's no walls inside this thing. (laughs) It's a movie set. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I think what could save this story is if it had one more page showing that he really didn't understand all the the function of his ring and and this role. And the moment they fly away, that this whole section just collapses (laughs) Because all the green rivets disappear and all the nails and, you know. <laughs> but also, I mean, just on a, I, I know it's overly nitpicky, but if you have, if you have a slum where the, where the building materials are subpar, 
rebuilding it isn't going to make them now good. Or even if yeah, they were good when they were much, first why built. You, just make it much nicer. Something else. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're staring at it, and Green Arrow couldn't even tell that, you know, that it was rebuilt. He just thought it wasn't destroyed at all. Well, you know what? What else is going to happen? So he rebuilt everything, right? That means everybody's taxes are going to go up because the value of their property is going to go up. What are you talking about? Why? What? I don't understand. Why is the rent going up? Hey, hey, hey I got to pay him more money. The buildings are nice and the new now. I don't know why I made the landlord Italian. I'm He's sorry Mario. <laughs> I live next door to Mario. <laughs> So hey, and then we just—I got to raise it a rent. We just have the log where uh, they give uh, <laughs> Red Tornado his new costume, and uh, a lot of times the costumes that came out in this era, you know, like I'd look at them and kind of shake my head. But, but I, I do like this one. This is the only costume I knew for the Red Tornado, so yeah, this I was is the way confused. I was introduced to him, and this is the costume yeah. I knew. And the prior costume was kind of like bland in comparison, so I prefer this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I always wondered when he switched. I, I Like I said, I don't remember ever reading this story before, and I, I've always been curious when he went from what I think of as the Silver Age look to the modern look here, and uh, this is it. So the This is the one, his- in my opinion, this is the one redeeming quality of this entire story <laughs> is this moment where you get the new costume. Cause I've always thought that was a, a pretty sh- uh, swank looking look for him. He, he looks cool. So the arrow that's on his head pointing to his face is saying, my face is here. Don't look at the big yellow stripe on my crotch. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. So, <sighs> and that's the end of our Christmas tale. <laughs> what Ooh. do you think? What do you, you want to rate this thing? Oh, my God, yes. Um, before we do that, though, a uh, couple of things on this. For one, I had a note. Let me see. Do I still have it saved here? And I don't I don't know that I do. Wait, yes, here it is. Um, this was reprinted. This story was reprinted. Where do you where do you want to guess the first place it was ever reprinted? A Christmas would, special? I, I, yeah, I would have thought it would be like in one of those Christmas with the superheroes kind of books. It is a, it is a Christmas thing. It's a Christmas with the superheroes, but it was part of the best of DC series. What? <laughs> wow. Best of DC number twenty two, which was a Christmas with the superheroes issue. So I, you know, that's that's why it's in there. They were they were looking to pull some Christmas stories, but still, just they probably didn't have that many to pick from. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that boy, you talk about a misnomer. And then it was reprinted again in that uh, first Christmas with the superheroes post-crisis that has the cool burn cover on it where Superman's trying to look in the present that's lead-lined and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good burn cover on that. So, who, so yeah. who's going to notify uh, Santa Simpson's wife, Mrs. Simpson, that he's dead? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's Oh, it's a happy ending, except for the fact that Santa Claus is still dead. And the key got away. <laughs> yeah. The villain got they away. Not, yeah. They don't the solve Batmobile the mystery. The Batmobile lost a wheel. <laughs> and the key got away. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you. this is the test, textbook definition of a piss-poor showing right here. This is a piss-poor showing by the Justice League. It really is. 
It's it's. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just looking at the at the trap door to... one, like the trap door picture, because I wasn't here when you guys were 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 ta- talking about it. Okay, so Black Canary, John Stewart, he's putting his his ring down and slow his fall. Batman's falling. Ah, trap door. Superman's falling feet down. Why are Red Tornado and Green Arrow going head first? It's a trap door under their feet. Did they just dive into the flipping hole? That makes no sense. Maybe. <laughs> hey, wait for me, they guys. Trip. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Bill, I wanted to get your take on uh, on the whole uh, Geiger counter sensitive thing. Did, did you have an opinion on that? Did you catch that in the story? So on that? page seven, I think it is. Yeah, page seven, where... Uh, Red Tornado. Oh, yeah, asks where they're finding Green Lantern. The, yeah, come on. How do they figure out? Oh, well, we have to find the. Come on, that's bullshit. I call bullshit on that. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna use my special. My ring's gonna tell me where the lock is. Bullshit. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah, <sighs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what? That's why. <laughs> yep. All right. So. uh... So I looked I looked it up. The yes. the story that I was thinking of was in uh Green Lantern. It's volume I think it's considered volume three. It's it's the one where eventually Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern. And at the end of issue eighty one, he creates a statue of Hal Jordan out of green energy, you know, from his ring. And then 20 issues later in Green Lantern 101, it's still there because he takes Hal Jordan to it. Does and it only Hal... pop around when he comes around? Like he remembers, oh, that statue. And it, it just appears. And then when he walks away, poof, it just disappears. Uh, I mean, maybe? I, I, no, I, I, that makes no sense to me. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, like you know, because supposedly the, so, the constructs are not permanent. Because then, then Hal, so Hal, Hal Jordan would, would be like, what, WTF? How did you do that? I couldn't recreate Coast City, and I had the entire battery and all the rings, you son of a... <laughs> you just told me that, I never would have become Parallax. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Hal shatters it with his ring and flies away, leaving it him. You know, in pieces. Good for and him. And Kyle leans down and picks up a chunk of it that kind of looks like a chunk of kryptonite. And as he's holding it in his hand, he puts it, it all back together. It dissolves. It, it, it dissolves. It all oh. fades away. So yeah, like I'm even more anyway. confused by this. Yeah, yeah. So I really, I need an answer to this. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get one. Maybe, maybe he surrounded it with yellow energy and kept it from dissipating, so that the statue couldn't escape. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, don't know. So I'm going to rate this. <laughs> uh, cover, cover-wise, I'm okay. just going to rate the image for this story. <laughs> I think it's really cool with Santa that's laying in the snow. Uh, I'm going to say a B plus. I think it's a cool image. Oh, uh, man, that's an A. It's going to grab you like, oh, my God. They killed Santa. You know what? It's borderline A, but I'm going to say a B plus. The interior art, I think I would probably have given it a B plus. But I'm going to up it to an A minus just because they introduce a new and far superior costume for Red Tornado. 
So I, I think mm -hmm. that that bumps it up a, a slightly. So I'm going to give it an A minus. Uh, the story is just full of scratch your head moments uh, to the point where I think it really, really is a letdown. Um, and, and you know what? Ultimately, in a story that's supposed to kind of end with a little Christmas cheer uh, mm. with, you know, with with Green Lantern helping all the poor people and then providing this new costume for Red Tornado. There's never a point where you actually feel that way. And ultimately, you, you're left with just the feeling that Santa Claus is dead. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just destroy the Christmas. So I'm going to give the story a D. And overall, I'll give the book a, a C plus based on purely on artwork. I have nothing really new to add to your assessment. I will fully agree and rubber stamp it. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, move on. <laughs> um, I really like the cover, but I am a Nick Cardi mark. I've long been a big fan of, uh, of Nick Cardi's <laughs> covers. I, I think he might possibly be uh, or have been the, the best DC cover artist uh, of the 70s because he just had this this way of doing really compelling and very kind of creepy covers, but with superhero characters, there's, there's just something kind of enigmatic. It's hard to describe, but there's a lot of covers he did like that, that are just kind of, kind of creepy, but they're with, you know, the bright, colorful, familiar superhero characters. And I, I like that. And this is just another one of them with dead Santa, you know, laying face down in the snow. It's just disturbing. Uh, I would have been all of five when this came out. This would have this would have really freaked me out. Um, the only thing that detracts is, like I say, I, I kind of wish there was a little bit of blood around it, which I know is really sadistic, but I, I kind of <laughs> do. I think that would improve the image. And Santa is skinny for whatever reason. Santa is actually kind of scrawny. He's not he's not fat, jolly Santa. Even with him laying face down, you can still tell that. No, I mean. You know, this is still a skinny Santa, so that's kind of strange, I thought. But yeah, you know, otherwise, I really like this cover a lot. So I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say an A on the cover. I really do like this a lot. Um, interior art. Now, I'm gonna profess, uh, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Dick Dillon fan in the world. I don't dislike the guy. I just think he's extremely serviceable. He's workmanlike. Uh, I don't usually find his stuff very dynamic. It's not something I, I seek out or anything. Um, and generally, I, it's just kind of bland and off-putting for me. But here, paired with uh, with uh, Dick Giordano, who's really bringing a, a heavy um, Neil Adams influence to it, uh, there's some stuff here that looks really there's still a lot of it that I think is is clunky and awkward and some of it's a little ugly, like the the actual title splash, the man who murdered Santa Claus, I, I think is not a particularly good piece of art. But there's a lot of other panels where I think they look really good, like page six, that whole page looks good, especially the close up of Batman uh, looking at the key that that looks very neil adams like so you know there's there are some really good panels and, and shots in here um but overall it's just yeah i'm just not real high on uh on dick dylan and there is a, a lot of there's a great inconsistency in this because you look at page um 13 of the story where they're getting attacked by the christmas balls and you've got fat ass Batman who looks really bad, but then the panel two panels later you've got a, a 
John Stewart that looks like it's actually drawn by um, Neil Adams, and it looks great. I mean, that panel of Green Lantern and Green Arrow together right there, that looks great. That looks like that could be out of the the Neil Adams uh, run of Green Lantern. I mean, it looks really good. And it's in this, on the same page with that shitty-looking Batman. So, yeah, it's, it's very inconsistent. And then the key just – there's no save in the key. He just looks flat ridiculous in everything he appears in. Well, he's getting so, sick. He's under the web. <laughs> but well, in all seriousness, I've never true. seen the key drawn where I thought, oh, he looks compelling. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, detract from Dick Dillon's art based on poor character design of a character that he didn't design. Well, that's that's a good point. I'll give you that. Um, but overall, art-wise, hmm, I'm gonna say a, I'm gonna say a C plus. Um, it's it's better than I typically see from Dick Dillon. So uh, I'll I'll go C plus on it. Um, story, ugh, the story is just flat, stupid, and and terrible. It's just so sloppy. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, it, it's just overall really, really bad. I'm tempted to give it a flat F. I'm going to say an F plus, and that's the plus is just simply for the two redeeming qualities that this has is uh, Red Tornado gets his swanky new outfit, which I really, really like. And I think this is only the second appearance of Jon Stewart. Um, at least according, I didn't find any notes on that within the story itself, but according to Mike's amazing world, his prior appearance to this was in green lantern 87 and green lantern 87 is his first appearance. So I'm thinking that means this is his second appearance. So, mm. and I like John Stewart. I always thought he was a pretty interesting character and he's, he's used a pretty good effect here. So I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty interesting. But beyond that, it's, yeah, this story is shit. Sorry. It's bad. But it was a hoot. <laughs> it is a hoot in its own way. All right. So, you know, I hope we were able to vent appropriately. Uh, and I hope you joined us in inventing whatever frustrations you've had from 2020. Uh, but I hope we didn't in any way... <laughs> bring you down for your Christmas any further than you were because that was not our intention. This was, this was a Christmas get off my lawn comic book visit. But, uh, I do want to give my heartfelt wishes for a Merry Christmas for all, including my two very, very good friends who shall remain nameless. <laughs> to protect the guilty. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Go away now. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. 
Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yep. 2020. F*** you. <laughs> <laughs>